have you guys ever done one of those personality tests where they tell you like what animal you are? You know, like uh, for you achievers out there, you're the lion. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm the lion. I'm dominating. And then the strategic leaders, you're the eagle. Yeah, I fly high above everybody else. For the creatives in the room, you're, you couldn't be a horse, so you have to be a unicorn. Uh, you're unique. You're an individual. We see you. No one out there is like you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. No one is like you. Uh, for me, I like the personality of the honey badger. Fearless, resilient, you know, the honey badger don't care. Uh, you know, like you have all these animals that people want to be like. Uh, there's some animals you don't want to be like. You don't want to be a pig. You don't want to be a bat. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily want to be a turtle. Uh, there's things you do not want to be. Today, as we study John 10, there is an animal that you are referred to as a human more than any other animal in the Bible. And it is an animal, honestly, that I do not want to be. It is a sheep. So in John 10, we are going to learn about sheep and how God says we are like a sheep. Here's the thing about sheep. They're pretty dumb. They can't fight off any predators. They have no defense mechanism. They can't find food without any guidance. They are helpless little sheep. And that is what God tells us we are. I don't really want to be a sheep, but in John 10, he tells me I'm a sheep. And so I did a deep dive into sheep this week to learn all about the things of sheep. And as I studied sheep, I kind of realized we're way more like sheep than I realized. Like we are pretty sheepish. So here's a couple things. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found yourself like in a situation of life and you go, how did I get here? Like you're, you're in a situation, you're like, how did I end up here? You might just be like a sheep. There's a lamb. Um, there's a sheep on top of the truck, guys. There's a sheep on top of that truck. How did it get there? How did that sheep get on top of a semi truck? Have you ever been there? You're like, how did I get on top of this semi truck? How did I get here? You might be more of a sheep than you think you are. Uh, Have you ever attacked someone you love just randomly? You don't know what got into you. You just randomly attack them. Like you love them, you care for them, but you lash out against them. You might be like a sheep. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm just the shepherd fishing with my sheep. I love this sheep. And boom! You attack the person that loves you, that cares for you, and you chase them around randomly. You might be a sheep. Lastly, have you ever got stuck in an area of life where you like getting a sin or something that you're struggling with? You, you're like, you say the words to yourself, I will never do that again. And then what do you do? You go back and do the exact same thing the next day. You might be like a sheep. The shepherd pulls the sheep out of the ditch. The sheep is free. It's running free, but... Mm. Do you see yourself as a sheep? We are sheep. And in that last video, I love it because what a sheep needs to stay alive is it needs a shepherd, someone to pull it out, to rescue it from danger. And today, what Jesus is going to call himself is the good shepherd. So in John 10, we've been studying the book of John and walking through each chapter. And each week, we kind of pick a chapter. We don't get to cover the whole chapter. They're so dense, 
full of information. So I'd encourage you, if, if you're following along, please read with us throughout the weeks. Read John 10 over and over again this week and learn what the whole chapter says. But in John 10, 11, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What Jesus calls himself right here, and he, he says, I am the good shepherd. He distinguishes himself. A lot of times there are shepherds out there, but he claims to be the good shepherd. And what goodness means is that a good shepherd will lay down his life. This is what Jesus is ultimately going to do is he is going to lay down his life. He is going to sacrifice his, himself for his sheep because his sheep are worth it to him. And it, as I was studying more about shepherds, there's kind of three major components that a shepherd does, a good shepherd for their sheep. And the first thing that a shepherd does for their sheep is this, is that they, a good shepherd will guide every step. So a good shepherd will meticulously lead every step of the flock through open terrain. See, in Jesus's time, there was no fences. There was just pasture. And a shepherd's role was crucial to navigating hills, rocky paths, sparse vegetation of the region. The shepherd would discern the safest and most fruitful paths for grazing. They would often rely on past knowledge or wisdom from generations handed down to take the sheep the right way. They had a staff in their hand that they would directly, they would gently direct sheep and they would push them and help them avoid wandering away from the flocks. The good shepherd wants to guide his sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to guide you. He wants to give you the best possible path. He wants to take you down the best road. He knows where you should go, and he wants to guide your life to give you the life that he desires for you. The good shepherd will guide every step. Secondly, the good shepherd will provide in every way. In an era without advancements of agronomy, a good shepherd would like intimately understand that there were seasons of growth and that different places, different environments would have good food to provide for the flock's nutritional needs. They would lead the sheep to natural grass areas where there are plentiful water and clean water. And during times where the natural forage was scarce, what the shepherd would do is they would supplement the sheep's diet. The shepherd would ensure that each sheep from the strongest ram to the weakest lamb received its share of food. And it would carefully monitor all of its health and all of the well-being. See, the good shepherd, he knows what we need. He knows how to nourish us, to provide for us, to nourish us spiritually, relationally, financially. He wants to provide. Every good and perfect gift comes from him above. He is our provider of all things. He wants to nourish us. And sheep, we cannot provide for ourselves. He wants to provide. And lastly, the good shepherd will protect from every enemy. Protection was a paramount duty of the shepherd. With sheep, they have no natural defense mechanism. And there's tons of predators out there. There's wolves, there's lions, there's thieves. The shepherd would be vigilant to watch over his sheep. He would utilize what was called a rod. It was like a club-like weapon and a staff. It's the long, like curved in. And it wouldn't just be for guiding the sheep gently. It'd also be for defending the flock. The rod he would throw at attacks. He would take care of the defenseless animals by putting himself on the line. 
He would retrieve sheep from perilous situations and harm and maneuver them with the staff. Shepherds would often stay up night and day. They would lay at the entrance uh, to guard against any potential threat to their flock. The good shepherd, what Jesus wants to be in our lives, is he wants to protect us against all enemies that destroy our lives. To hold you away from dangerous situations, from dangerous people, from dangerous actions. The good shepherd is never to prevent you from fun of life. He's only protecting you because you are a sheep that will get in trouble and will fall into peril and danger. Jesus is to be our good shepherd. Today, that's what I want you to hear. Jesus is to be our good shepherd. Yet, he will never force you. He will never make you go, okay, I'm now gonna follow Jesus and he is my good shepherd. No, he's, he allows us to make a decision who will shepherd our lives. And here's the truth. You will either be shepherded by the good shepherd or you will be shepherded by something or someone else. There is something in your life that you are going to for guidance, for protection, for for provision. You will be shepherded by something. Do you want to be shepherded by the good shepherd or do you want to be shepherded by the world shepherd? This is what Jeremiah 56 says. It says this, my people have been lost sheep. Listen. They're shepherds. The things of this world, the other things outside of Jesus have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over the mountain and the hill and forgot their own resting place. Who is your shepherd? Is it your life coach? Is it your financial advisor? Is it your significant other? Jesus says he is the good shepherd. And if we want, as sheep, the life that God has for us, if we truly want guidance in the path, if we want provision in our lives, and if we want protection, we need to trust him. So my hope today is that you guys would all see that you are sheep, you need a shepherd, and my hope for you is that you would follow the good shepherd. So as sheep, I just want to give you three things that you can do, three responses to the good shepherd that you can have to make him the good shepherd, trust him, and follow him. So number one is this. As sheep, we must listen to the good shepherd's voice. As sheep, we must listen to the good shepherd's voice. In John 10, 3, this is what it says. It says, the, sheep will listen, the, the gatekeeper opens the gate for them, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. As sheep, we are to know the voice of Jesus. And he is going to call each out by name and lead them. Here's what I love about Jesus as the shepherd is he knows each and every sheep. 
He knows each and every person by name. When, when people make generalizations about God, sometimes we get distanced from God. But when you realize that Jesus is the shepherd and personally knows you and personally sees you and personally loves you, he is calling each person by name saying, follow me and follow me. I am the good shepherd. What's interesting here is the sheep don't just hear the voice of the shepherd. They listen to the voice of the shepherd. They follow his leading. There's an action step behind the sheep. They don't just hear it and go, oh, that's familiar. They do what the shepherd says. And it's interesting in verse five, it says they never follow a stranger. They'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The shepherd is wanting to guide the path. Our role is to know his voice. I get really emotional when I watch these child dedications up here because I have three kids and they're past baby age. And every time I get a baby on stage, I'm like, I like look over to mom. I'm like, should we have another kid? Like, and then I actually remember the diapers and I, that dream goes away really quick. But other than that, uh, I, I get emotional because I've just watched my kids grow. And as a parent, one of the greatest things that you can give your kids, greatest gifts you can give your kids is for them to have the ability not just to hear your voice, but to listen to your voice. It's such a representation of how we should be with God. We don't want to just hear the things of God. We want to listen and obey the things of God. This is why it's important as a parent. If your kids don't just hear your voice, but don't actually listen to your voice, you start yelling at them when they're running across the street, stop, stop, stop. If they have not known how to hear and listen, they're going to run into danger. The same is true of us with God. If we, if we don't train our kids to hear the voice of God, and respond to the voice of God, they're going to run into danger. We must be training our kids and ourselves to hear the voice of God and not just listen, but obey. So in our spiritual lives, what happens over time, I've seen it in my own life. I know the things of God. I hear the things of God. I know what I'm supposed to do when God tells me, but the longer I'm like in the whole Christian thing and learning his voice, do you guys ever get to the place where you stop doing what he says? You kind of forget. Okay, I'm going to keep this analogy rolling with kids. This is what having a teenager is like. They've heard your voice a lot. They know your voice. They respect your voice. They've learned, oh, I should trust the voice. And all of a sudden, 13 happens and you don't listen to the voice of your parent anymore. Like, I don't need your voice. I, my voice is better. We get that way with God though, don't we? We're like, we slowly start forgetting that God did a work and he has always guided us well, but we start going, ah, I know better this time. I know better this time. Uh, so as a parent having to work with teenagers now, uh, one of the things that I've learned, and from mentors of mine, I'm, Molly and I are definitely not perfect parents at all, but one thing that we've learned is that, yes, we want them to hear our voice, but as they push away, as my teenager pushes away from me, my role should not just, oh, she's going in a room, I'm staying in the kitchen. My role is, okay, she needs to hear my voice. You know it'll be really effective? I'll just raise my voice. Hey, do this, do this. No, the best way when my teenager pushes against me is not to pull away, 
but to run after, to pursue even when I'm not liked, pursued even when they don't want to hear what I have to say, I'm going to pursue her. And I'm going to then guide her. I'm going to bring her close to me. I'm going to love her even when she doesn't want to be loved. I'm going to hold her tight and tell her I love her. This is the same truth that is of the shepherd. When you push away from him, he doesn't just let you wander off. No, he goes after you. He chases you down. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. We've all done it when we're in our hardest, deepest, stupidest moments. Isn't it so great when God just comes and grabs you and loves you in that moment? So we are to hear the voice of God and we are to respond to the voice of God. He is pursuing us. This is what he says in verse 27. He goes on to say, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If we're actually following Jesus, we will listen to his voice and we will follow him. If we aren't listening to his voice and following him, we might not be his sheep. So as a church, here's my prayer. Even as we walk through this message, I just want to give a couple like highlights of you personally, but also our church, how we want to be a church that responds to the good shepherd and how we want to listen to his voice as a church, we want to be more concerned about hear, we want to be more concerned about hearing and doing what God says than hearing and discussing about what God says. Okay, there's a slight difference there. We want to hear what God says and we want to do it. A lot of churches, you'll go, they hear what God says and they want to discuss it. They want to do a committee about it. I was consulting with the church a couple years ago about their discipleship plan. And I was asking them all these questions and they'd spent a year and a half crafting all these resources and all these tools of how they're going to disciple people. And I looked at them like, have you tried any of it? No. What? You haven't done any of it? And they're like, well, we're trying to get the plan perfect before we do it. That sounds ridiculous to us from the outside. Like, why wouldn't you just start? Like, we have little time. Like, why waste a year and a half? Yet it's so easy to get in discussion and not action. So as leaders of this church, we want to hear the voice of God. As people of this church, we want to hear the voice of God and we want to do what it says. If he calls us to do something, we want to take action. For example, uh, our staff team was praying about just leadership of the church this next year. And over 2023, we were thinking, okay, we should do like a marriage night. We want to invest in our marriages. It was like a month out. We didn't even know kind of what we were doing or all the logistics. But we were like, let's just put it on a calendar. We're called to do it. We'll figure it out. Let's pray and do it. And that's what we did. And God did work through what we offered and he, we did our best and God showed up and did some awesome things and launched a giant marriage ministry where we have a class that has over 40 people meeting weekly in now. So praise God because we took action. We want to be a church that takes action. Uh, this week, I got a call from actually Mark O'Brien, who we're giving to on the year-end offer. He's like, there are three families that need housing tonight. Can the church provide for it? And I prayed. And I'm like, yeah, we can. We'll figure out the money, Mark. Just make it happen. We want to take action. We want to listen to the voice of God and do it. This uh, 
for 2024, I feel called that we need to do some more like men's and women's ministry. So we had a women's Bible study that just started meeting the last six weeks in the chapel. It's been growing. It's awesome. If you're a lady and want have a Tuesday morning free, I'd invite you to that. We also feel like we're supposed to start a men's ministry. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what we're supposed to do. So if you're a dude and you're like, hey, I want to get guys together and want to help, please come see me because I have no clue how we're going to pull it off. And I just announced it on stage. So now I have to pull it and execute it. But we want to be about action. We want to do, okay, God's telling us to do this. We should do it. For your own life, are you listening to the voice of God? And when he tells you to do something, are you doing it? For each point, I just want to give you like a litmus test. How do you know if you're actually trusting God? Are you following the good shepherd? So how do you know in this? Here's the litmus test. Do you make adjustments in your life daily based on what God tells you to do? Do you daily listen to God through his word and through his voice and make adjustments to your life and actually do it? This is why we read the Bible. This is why I encourage people, you should read your Bible daily because its goal is to nourish you daily and to give you a fresh voice in your life. And a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever felt bad, like when you read the Bible, you read the Bible and like two weeks later, does anybody else forget everything they read two weeks later? I forget messages two weeks later. So I read my Bible and I'm like, what did I read two weeks ago? And do you ever feel bad about that? You're like, shouldn't I like have better comprehension? Okay, do any of you remember what you ate for dinner two weeks ago? Only unless it was amazing, you do not remember. But what did that meal do? It nourished you for that day. You do not remember it, but the nourishment affected you for that day. When we approach the word of God in his voice, when we do what he says for that day, it nourishes us for that day. And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So we daily go to God as his sheep to listen to his voice. Number two, how we respond to sheep. As sheep... We rely on the good shepherd's provision. In John 10, this is what it says. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, you will find pasture You'll find provision. You'll find the food you need. The good shepherd is going to lead you to nourish you as a human, to nourish you as a sheep. When we give our lives to the shepherd, he's promised to us is he will give us pasture. And then it goes on to say, there's a thief out there. It's the analogy. It will come and destroy your life of Satan. He will come and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come. The good shepherd Jesus has come that we may have life and life to the full. Jesus is to be our ultimate provider. And as sheep, we are to trust the good shepherd for all financial, relational, and spiritual provision. He wants to nourish you. He wants to nourish your finances. He wants to nourish everything inside of you because he is the provider. You are not the provider. 
Outside of Waco, there is a test facility uh, where they shoot rockets up for SpaceX and they shoot thousands of rockets out there. And uh, the county area has actually put a noise ordinance over SpaceX and they have told them, if you shoot a rocket past 9 p.m., you'll pay a $25,000 fine. They shoot rockets at 9.01 p.m., 9.08 p.m., 9.07 p.m. And you're like, like, what does it matter? Like, couldn't you just pull it back a little bit? Like, stop shooting the rockets? You know why they do not care? Elon Musk is worth $230 billion. $25,000 fine is like a nickel for you. He's like, just keep shooting the rockets. Like, don't let it in your way. Who cares? And I think if I was living in that area, I'd just be like, well, thanks, Elon. Every time I heard that go up, we just got a new public resource. Uh, thanks for those fi- that fine dollars. You probably can speed in Waco a lot more there because they're getting all their money through Elon. But when you think of Elon Musk, $230 billion. He has so much provision, so much money. He's not worried about the fine. We can think that financial provision is the number one thing that makes us happy and that provides for our life. Yet, Elon Musk is not the ultimate provider. His money honestly could be worthless in a war. It could be worthless in a global catastrophic event. Jesus forever will own a cattle on a thousand hills. He is always the ultimate provider. Men and women, we we can have finances, we can have comforts, but it can all be wiped away in a moment. Jesus is the ultimate provider. He has more control, more power, more abilities than anyone on planet earth. I asked myself this question as I was studying this and I asked myself, if all my money went away, would I walk with Jesus? Is Jesus enough for me? If I lost my 401k, if I lost my job, if I lost my health, is Jesus enough? And do I believe he is the ultimate provider that I cannot provide for myself? And I read what Paul learned, and I pray this is the prayer of my own heart, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I want to be a person that is content no matter the situation, because ultimately, I can trust my provider, my good shepherd in Jesus. He will provide And we all know that financial success does not bring happiness. We all have friends that have no money, that have complete happiness, joy in their lives. And we all have friends that have a lot of money and seem like they hate everything in life. It's because they're looking to money to be a provision when ultimately Jesus is enough. He is our provision. So the litmus test for our own hearts, I believe, when it comes to, are we trusting the good shepherd's provision is how are you doing in your own personal generosity? How generous of a person are you? Are you trusting God's provision? And are you love just the attitude of, I wanna be a generous person. I wanna give things away. Do you love being generous? I wanna ask myself this personally all the time because it is so easy in our culture to just start gravitating towards it's mine, it's mine, all the things are mine and I want and I want and I want. But am I a generous person? 
Do I have a healthy or unhealthy view of money? Do I try to use money to create stability in my life and provision in my life that only Jesus can bring? So as a church, uh, I ask this a lot about us. I really want us to be a generous church. I don't want us to be a greedy church. You can have a church that brings a lot of money in, but never pushes money out. And one of our values as a church we talk about a lot is we're a river, not a lake. Meaning we don't dam up our resources, but we want to be kingdom-minded and we want to let them flow. So we've been talking about this year-end offering thing. And one of the cool things that I love last year, we were actually able to give 20% of all the money that went out of the church, that went through the church, it all went to missions, 20% of that to outreach. And I'm so thankful as a church that we can double tithe and give. And that only actually happens when not I make a decision of generosity, but when we make a decision of generosity. So we set some big goals when it comes to the year-end offering. We're like, we're going to give away $350,000 and it's going to go to 300,000 of it is going to local missions and global missions. And 50 is going to like RST family life. That's a big chunk of money for a small church. But what God has done in this church over and over and over again is when every single person goes, okay, I'm going to be a generous person. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Every year we're able to give more and more money. So as we lead this church, my hope is that we'd always give more than we did last year. So our goal is to give give more than we did last year. This is a big faith goal. But I pray that we would listen to the shepherd and we go, he is the ultimate provider. And some cool stuff is going to happen because of it. I, I love some of the things we're given to. We're given to a, a guy named Jay Tindra. Jay's around here somewhere. We got to pick a Jay. Yeah, there's Jay. Uh, Jay's awesome. He runs all our like global missions along with him and Ron. Uh, he's actually hosting a hundred Christmas parties a hundred, and you're stressed about your one. <laughs> He's got a hundred, and there's between 20 and a hundred people that will show up to him, and they're at different businesses and workplaces, and Jay's gonna bring all this food in, and what Jay did last year is he brought all this food in, he shares the gospel, and literally, I think there were 300 baptisms that came out of those Christmas parties, and we're like, okay, that's cool. That's money well spent, in my opinion. So let's, let's give money to Jay to allow him to go impact these refugee immigrant populations and see the gospel go forth. We want to be a generous, generous church because God is our ultimate provider. The good shepherd is the ultimate provider. I want to encourage you guys uh, just to be praying about giving to the white, the year-end offering, what we nicknamed YEO. It's just, we want to go, how can I be a part of this? Me and my family were praying, what, what significant amount do we want to give to this opportunity? And you can give on that QR code. And I know if we all pray and do what God tells us, we will hit exactly where we need to be. And when we think of provision, what I love is verse 28. This is the ultimate provision that Jesus gives. He says, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. When he is your shepherd, the ultimate provision you have is you have eternal life. All your money, all your things will be stripped away from you when you stand before Jesus someday. We will all stand before him and give an account for our lives. And the only thing it says that will be left standing is that what was built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we, eternal life is greater than anything this world can offer. As sheep, 
We rely on him for provision. And lastly, as sheep, we stay close to the good shepherd's protection. Verse 11, the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, it's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know my father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Bad shepherds, false shepherds, they will leave when times get tough. They will run when the bad things happen. They will force you to deal with your own problem. There is no help. When the wolf comes, a sheep has no shot. When you run into trouble, you have no shot. The sheep is not going to make, danger is always lurking for the sheep. It is always vulnerable whenever it is not close to the shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life, but the wolf comes and attacks. My question for you is, what is the wolf in your life? Something that threatens you harm, that causes you harm, that steals from your life. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Anything that you think through your own life and you go, okay, what's trying to steal from me? What's destroying my life? For me personally, it is not something that's a physical attack. It's actually a mental attack. See, you know you've become old when you start waking up at 1, 1.30, 2 a.m., uh, it's like the last year and a half, I've been waking up randomly at times of the night. I'm like, I used to sleep through this time. What happened? Friday night, I woke up and my heart was just like beating so fast. And for me, I, there's these times where I just get all this anxiety and dread and fearfulness. And I had all this fear in my soul about everything in life. I'd fear about speaking this message. I'd fear for my family. I literally got up and went and checked on my three kids because I thought someone had broken into our house. I had all these irrational fears. And so my wolf that comes after me is not a physical wolf. It is one that lies in my mind. And my only hope in moments at that 1 a.m. on a Friday night is to draw close to the shepherd. See, an anxiety comes into your life. The only way to fight anxiety that research has said is to know that you are safe. And the closer you are to the shepherd, you know that you are safe. The closer you are to him, you are protected. He will never leave you or forsake you. The safest place on planet earth is as close as you can get to Jesus. This is the safest place. What's the wolf in your life that's attacking, that's stealing, that's trying to kill you? And the litmus test for us to know how we're doing and trusting our shepherd is this. Fear does not haunt you. If you want to know if you're trusting Jesus for protection, fear does not haunt you because you are close to the shepherd. You're safe with the shepherd. One of the things I'm so encouraged as a church and why we gather together as a body of believers is that we get to be encouraged by other people's hardship 
and their walk with God and their closeness to the shepherd in times of trouble. I've been with people that have had cancer, that have had uh, pregnancy complications, that have had hardship in their marriage. And there's a decision that you have to make when you're in the hard times of life. Will I draw close to my shepherd or will I push him away and go find another shepherd? You know what is amazing is when people that are going through like hell on earth go, I'm gonna go close to the shepherd right now. Isn't that so inspiring when you see that? Because sometimes as a sheep, you know what? You're not as close to the shepherd as you would like to be. You're like, I want to be really close to the shepherd to protect me. But you're just way back here. But when you can see another sheep following the shepherd, you're like, okay, I don't maybe can't see this myself, but I'm just going to follow that other sheep. I'm going to follow that other sheep. So when we walk through life, letting Jesus be the shepherd and protect us. And we actually share that with our community. It encourages us all. So as you walk through hard times, don't do it alone. Do it with us as the body of us as the flock. And we'll follow your lead because you're a way bigger encouragement than you realize. As sheep, we stay close to the shepherd I'll end with this. I think everybody, hopefully you can see yourself. You're a sheep. You're like, yeah, okay, Jason, you convinced me. I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Here's really the problem for all of us though. You know you're a sheep, but you want to shepherd yourself. Think about that for a second. No one can tell me what to do. I know what's best for my life. I can guide my life. I can provide for my life. I can protect my life. You want to be the shepherd. You have to make a decision. Are you going to allow Jesus to be the shepherd of your life? Or are you going to shepherd your life? I was thinking about this for myself. What option am I going to pick? Should I pick Jesus of Nazareth or should I pick Jason of Denver to follow? So I did a little like, it's football season. I love stats and like quarterback analysis. I just did a quick little like analysis of Jesus of Nazareth stats versus Jason of Denver stats. So here's my stat board. Uh, I am 38. Thank you. 38 years, 10 months. You know how long Jesus has lived? Forever. All right, he won that one. Okay, what's our next stat line? My successful predictions for life. Nothing. Jesus said he would die and come back to life. And know what he did? He did it. Okay, next thing. What do we got? We got deadlift. I deadlift 185 pounds, full weight of the sins of the world. Displays of intellect, one language. I have countless trophies. There were participation trophies. I'm a millennial. Thank you, boomers, for giving them to me. I went to a very easy suburban high school where I got a 3.98 or something like that. Jesus intellect. And I took Spanish for six years and I know Ola. Uh, he has 7,000 languages. He's the standard of truth. He is all-knowing. All right, what's the next one we got? My financial decision-making, I bought $5,000 worth of Bitcoin and lost $1,800. Heir <laughs> of all things, cattle on a thousand hills. Lastly, my fears, I fear the economy. I fear wars. I fear hail, especially golf-sized hail. That's crazy. Jesus fears nothing. All right, DraftKings, pull up your bet. Who are you putting your money on? <laughs> Who's shepherding your life? 
we all have a decision right now. Am I going to trust the good shepherd? Can we trust his voice and his guidance? Can we trust his provision that he will provide? You don't have to provide for yourself. And ultimately, he will protect you. We just have to decide, you are my shepherd. Would you join me? And let's just ask him right now to be our shepherd. Jesus, we're so grateful that you are our shepherd. And God, we humble ourselves right now. We know we are sheep. We make bad decisions. We're foolish at times. We think we know what we're doing. And we look up one day and we go, I was in the complete wrong place. But Jesus, you're so good. And you have good for us. You want to guide us. And so right now, I just pray that we would come in a humble posture. Come with myself in a humble posture. If I'm, I'm right now just kind of tense, I pray if anyone's tense right now, that they would just release and go, no, I want to trust the good shepherd. I want to listen to your voice and I want to do what it says. I'm going to listen to your voice daily. I'm going to be nourished. I'm going to do what it says. God, I, I, wanna, I want you to be my provider and I want to be a generous heart. I don't want to hold on to things. I don't want to be a stingy person. God, for me personally right now, I pray that my heart would be generous, that I would release control of the things that I think money will buy me or bring me comfort and I release it to you. I give it to you, God. And God, when the wolf comes, when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy when we do not know what to do, we draw close to you. The safest place is next to you. You are our good shepherd. We invite you this morning. We invite you as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.